Coming up on Telling the Truth with Stuart and Jill Briscoe. Prayer is not some magical formula, but powerful prayer does follow certain principles that connect you to the truth and heart of God. Stay tuned to find out more from Jill Briscoe on today's Telling the Truth. But first, in Stuart Briscoe's insightful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World, he helps you understand how God's Spirit works to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you. And through your support today, you can help others experience transformation in their lives as well. We'll say thanks for your gift by sending you a copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World. So call today to request your copy. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Jill Briscoe with her message, Teach Us to Pray. Stuart and I were in Vancouver Island, Canada, and we were talking our heads off, and it was spring, and we didn't even get out for four days, and we we hadn't had a walk or anything. And I just felt the Lord was saying, "Come, come outside, don't go to one more meeting you don't need to go to. Just come and walk with me. And my Stuart loves God's world just like I do. And after we did this, just had a walk instead of going to one more meeting, my husband caught the way that simple time in the woods renewed us both in God's sanctuary. Sunlight glancing through the trees, branches danced to summer breeze, eagle circle as your sky, redwoods reaching up on high, reminding us of you, Lord reminding us of you. Warm as the sunlight, gentle as the breeze, vigilant as eagles, steadfast as the trees. So are you to us, Lord. So are you to us. Go walk, find a lake, park. I don't care. Just make sure you go to a certain place like Jesus did. It helps. And then, of course, address the Father. Abba, Father. By using this familiar tender name for God, Jesus transformed a formal theological exercise into an intense and intimate experience. And he taught his disciples to do the same. Abba, Father. I've had a lot of talks, interestingly, this weekend with people that say, I come from a traditional background. And you know, when I came into this particular group that pray... I felt uneasy when we addressed God in such a familiar way, with our own words and our own language. It didn't sound respectful. Daryl Bock, in his commentary on the book of Luke, says, Abba, the word itself, combines respect for the Father's authority with a sense of intimacy. Intimacy doesn't do away with respect. Just remember who you're talking to. That's all. Just remember he's holy and you're not. That's all. My holy, heavenly, Abba, Father, Father dear, yes, but a holy, heavenly God. He is God, and we are not. And so we need to know who he is as we pray, and we need to know who we are as we pray. And if we concentrate on his holiness, that holiness will become real in us. There's no talk of sanctification in the Lord's Prayer. It's presumed. When we think of who he is, 
Holiness is an obvious. We cannot speak to God unless we have confessed our sin. And you said, but Jill, I came to Jesus and he forgave all my sin. Yes. If you think of this line of this pulpit as the timeline, and God is here, and you get born, and you live, and you accept Jesus, and you go all along here, out back into the presence of God, and you accept Jesus here, he forgives you all your sin, all that stuff and all this stuff that you haven't even done yet. He forgives your sin. So why do I still need to confess it? Because of your fellowship with him. Your initial confession deals with your relationship. All of this deals with your fellowship because if you have a child, a son, and your blood is in him, he is your child, he'll always be your son, but maybe he'll leave home and maybe you'll have a row. And and what you need is to reconcile and say sorry and your fellowship, that's why you need to go on confessing those things that stop you talking to him and listening to him along this way. Your sin has been dealt with, your sin as a whole. But your fellowship needs to stay intact. And if you feel far away from God, it might be because those things aren't dealt with. Remember that he is holy. Concentrate on his holiness. And then we turn to the life in the community, the second part of the prayer. There is not one single singular pronoun in this. Not one. I, me, my, mine, give me today my daily bread, Forgive my sins. No, it's all ours. Our Father. Not my Father. Our Father. And Jesus is trying to teach. I'm making a community, don't you see? I'm calling out a called out people called the church. There is one church, did you know? No, Jill, there's many, many churches. No, no, no. One church. Christ the head. And it meets in different buildings in different places in Milwaukee, you see. And in one of the buildings, we might sing a little differently and pray a little differently over here, but one church, a community. And Jesus said, I'm giving you a prayer to remind you of that community. And you cannot pray, give me this day my daily bread, for it is our. Is there anyone hungry around me? I remember standing in the sanctuary, the old sanctuary, long time ago when we had a bread pantry in the church, when we had food to offer for people that were hungry. And you would be amazed how many people came from the inner city to get a bag of groceries from our pantry. And I was, I think it was Christmas Eve, I I was sharing my hymn book with a young woman I'd never seen before. She was a single mother. She had two little children next to her. And she fainted. And we helped her, and I got her out, and I found out she didn't have food. She had been selling her blood to pay for food to feed her children. And I thought, what am I doing praying? Give me today my daily bread, my Christmas dinner. Here's somebody, our community. And so the intent is for God to turn our eyes outwards into our relationships, Forgive us our sins as we forgive each other. Now, this is the part and the next bit, deliver us from evil, that I've struggled with most of all. Still struggle with. Mystery. Does it mean when it says in Matthew, Jesus speaking, if you don't forgive people, I won't forgive you? 
It can't mean that. Because then we would earn the forgiveness of God. And we know it's all of grace. Then what does it mean? Forgive me my debts as I forgive other people. Oh no, I hope it doesn't mean that. How do I forgive grudgingly when I have to? Do I want God to forgive me like I forgive other people? No, I don't. I want God to forgive me like God forgives me, right? So it can't mean that. What does it mean? Well, basically in the big picture of it all, it means that we extend our hand to the grace of God. Many of us extend our fists, but we have to extend our hand to the forgiveness of God, and that's all of grace. And as we receive his forgiveness for our grubby little lives, the wonder of it begins. And as we understand what we have done to God, how we've offended him, how we have hurt him, the size of what he's had to forgive us, as we understand that we've been hitting God with a club with our sin, and we turn around and see people with little sticks hitting us, it becomes very easy. For he or she that is forgiven much loves much. He and she that understands the size of our redemption, what it cost Jesus to do for us. Then, as he has forgiven us, how did he forgive us? Freely, fully, everything. Then, somehow, out of the wonder of what he's done for us, flows our forgiveness to other people. You're hearing from Jill Briscoe today on Telling the Truth. She's coming right back with more principles on prayer straight from the prayer life of Jesus. But before Jill jumps back in, your support helps Telling the Truth reach across the globe to share the love of God and message of Christ with people everywhere. So call today to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you give to help more people experience life in Christ. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. All right, let's get back to Jill with more of her message from the series, Let's Talk. I find that this is our hardest work to forgive other people. We're waiting. What are we waiting for? For them to say they're sorry, right? Don't wait until they've done their work. They might never say they're sorry. God doesn't wait for us to repent before he offers us forgiveness. And nor should we. We cannot do their work for them, but we can do ours. And I'll tell you where it's done on your knees. You have to forgive them on your knees before you ever forgive them standing up face to face. The work must be done in here. And those of you that have come and you're holding grudges and who cannot understand, for some of you have been dreadfully injured. And that's the word Jesus uses. The offense, the thing somebody has done, the debt they owe you that has offended you and hurt you. It's huge for some of you. I am appalled to hear how we treat each other and how people are treated. Absolutely appalled. But you have to forgive one 
one incident at a time. Lewis Smedes has written a book called Forgive and Forget. It's a classic for me. I give it out all over the place. Ordinary people forgive best if they go at it in bits and pieces. I love this. And for specific acts, forgiving carte blanche is silly. Nobody can do that but God. And he is God and I am not. That helped me. Okay, I forgive in little bits. So this person has done this to me. They have done that, that, that. There's so much. I can't just say I forgive you all of it. No, no. What I have to do is incident by incident, I have to go there on my knees and start bit by bit by bit. And when I'm there, I have to be honest. I have to tell God where I am. Well, I don't want to forgive them yet. Well, I thought I'd forgiven them. And then I saw them again face to face. Well, no, I don't want to ever forgive them. And I'm only going to forgive them if they come and ask me to, right? Tell him where you are, and it can be anywhere. And then drop the conditions, will you? Drop the conditions. Until I understand why they did this to me, I'm not going to forgive them. Anybody there? We don't need to understand why they did it. We need to understand. We don't need to understand before we forgive them, okay? You may never understand, but we are to forgive as we have been forgiven freely, fully, whether they ever respond or not. He forgave us no strings attached. So if our hands are full of anger and bitterness and we can't accept his ongoing forgiveness for our own ongoing sin, we'll never be able to offer forgiveness to others. And the devil wants us mired in the past in what could have, should have been, what we did to others or they did to us. He wants us to stay offended. He wants us to stay upset angry. He wants to neutralize us because that'll neutralize you for the kingdom of God and the will of God and the purposes of God. It's got to be dealt with. What are you doing harboring it? What are you doing cherishing it? What are you doing condling it? Let it go. One prayer at a time. One day at a time. Pray God will deliver you from the evil one, from the temptation to keep it. It's all in context. Deliver us from the evil one, from this temptation to neutralize my life, to make me a bitter person, an angry person, a no-use person for your kingdom and your work. Deliver me from the power he has had in my life. Help me with this. Some of you don't even believe in the devil. I had somebody talk to me. I'm finding it difficult, Jill, to believe in a personal devil. Listen to me. Behind all the dangers in our life and behind all the dark menaces that overshadow it, there is a dark, mysterious, spellbinding figure at work. Behind the temptation stands the tempter. Behind the lie stands the liar. Behind the death and the bloodshed stands the murderer from the beginning. And he wants to tempt you away from your relationship with God. That's his whole Worship me, he says, and he is bitterness, and he is anger, and he is rage, and he is unforgiveness. Oh, God, deliver us from that. That's what we need to pray. He will tempt us away from our relationship with him. 
He came to deliver us. After this event, Jesus meets a demon immediately, and he drives it out. And Jesus is the one that can do that. He wants to do it for us. Don't mess with him yourself. You can't. You're too young. Like the little girl that said, when the devil knocks on the door of my life, I sent Jesus to answer the door, right? Send Jesus to answer the door. And the finger of God will do that work for you. We've so much going for us. We have the Holy Spirit. There's one prayer it said. I read it you. One prayer he'll always answer. Give me the Holy Spirit. How much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? And it occurs to me that there might be somebody listening to me that has never received the Holy Spirit. None of this that I've talked about today will make any sense unless the Holy Spirit is living in your life. You sure you've got him? Has he come in? He's the one that will explain God to you, your Father, and he's the one that will give you the power you need and the enlightenment and deal away with the confusion. Make your life full, generous, satisfied. Holy Spirit. So in this closing prayer, maybe that's the prayer you need to concentrate on and forget everything else. Oh, Holy Spirit, come into my life. You are bringing with you God's forgiveness. You're going to cleanse me. You're going to come and live forever in my heart and give me salvation. And just remember that Jesus is praying for you, will you? You know that? Read Hebrews. There was a time a few years ago when I was under a cloud and we had some very hard things happening in our family. And I remember one day being so depressed and so down, I couldn't get out of bed. But I had to get up. There were things to do. I had to go to some responsibilities. And so I dragged myself out of bed and I started to get dressed. And as I did, my spirit began to lift and lift and lift and lift. And by the time I got to the breakfast table, which I didn't think I could eat because of the knot in my stomach, the knot was gone and I was hungry and I ate a hearty breakfast and and I began to feel the peace and the clear air around me. And I thought, what is happening? My soul was tap dancing. And I said to the Lord, Oh, I get it, I get it. The people that love me, that know about this shadow on our lives, they're praying for me. My friends are praying for me. And a voice said to me in my kitchen, I'm praying for you. He's praying for us. Would you simply please be the answer to Jesus' prayers today? Let's chat with Jill about today's message. Hi, Jill. How can we extend the hand of grace to others, especially those who've wronged us? How can we spill grace by being full of grace, by being full of the Spirit? A cup that's filled with sweet water, when it's jogged, cannot spill one bitter drop. So it depends what you're full of, what spills out when somebody bangs up against you or somebody wrongs you. Um, It tells you what you're full of. If you're full of self-importance, if you're you're self-sensitive, super-sensitive, covered in prickles, enjoying a pout, and somebody bumps up against you, that's what will spill out. What, What are you full of? So... How can we extend the hand of grace to others? That means, how can we spill Jesus, I guess? And uh, we come back to the discipline of 
concentrating on the Lordship of Christ and his sovereignty in our lives, uh, fixing our thoughts and hearts. David talks a lot about it in the Psalms. Fix your mind on God. Paul talks about it in Philippians. Mind your mind. Just mind your mind. And God will fill your heart with the thoughts or the response to others, especially when you're suddenly faced with someone who's wronged you in a public place, for example, and you have no idea what your reaction is going to be. Uh, just a glance upwards, Lord, fill me with yourself at this point so that what spills out of me is of you and not of me. And so it's practicing the presence of God, if you wish, and remembering you have within you all you need to extend the hand of grace to others. Jill, how can we know we have the Holy Spirit in our lives? And if we don't, how do we invite him in? Just ask him, just say, Holy Spirit, please come into my life. It says in the Bible then that the Holy Spirit will witness to your spirit that you are a child of God. There will be an inner connection, an inner certainty that the Holy Spirit brings with him when he enters your heart. He will do that work. You don't need to convince yourself. Nobody else needs to convince you. The Holy Spirit witnesses to your spirit that you are a child of God. And if children then heirs, joint heirs with Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's work. Thanks so much, Joan. How are you to process the unnerving events happening all around you in today's world? Does the Bible offer you any hope, help, or guidance? The answer, of course, is yes. Discover how God's Spirit works in you to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you with Stuart Briscoe's powerful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World. Drawing from Romans 12, Stuart discusses how you can respond with wisdom and courage in today's most distressing circumstances. You'll discover how the Spirit of God is ever faithful, giving you the grace to think clearly in a messed-up world. We'll send you this series as thanks for your gift of support to help more people experience life through the resources and teachings of Telling the Truth. Generous friends like you keep broadcasts like today's going, often reaching places where the gospel hasn't yet made inroads. So if you've never given before, please consider a gift today to help keep God's word going out around the world. And remember to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you call and give. 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. We're so glad you've joined us today. Come back again as the Briscoes share more powerful truth from God's Word. Listen in and experience life next time on Telling the Truth.